So church, today I'm going to be speaking to you on the very biblical and perhaps misunderstood word, sometimes misunderstood word of sanctification. You would have seen the title of my message this morning. As you know, we have been speaking about God's absolute truth over the past couple of weeks. Why it is it so important? Why truth is so important? And why it is so important to live by God's absolute truth, right? And today I want us to go a little bit deeper into the process of us living out that truth in what we call sanctification. So let's just begin this morning by reading the Word of God. If you'd like to go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 in your Bibles, on your iPhones or your iPad, 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's pick it up in verse 5. And you can stay there today because this will be one of our key scriptures and the chapter for our message. Say amen when you've got it. Okay. Peter says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. In the second book of Peter, as you study this book, you will find how Peter confronts false teachers, false ministries, false pulpits, false evangelists, and false representations of the will of God that the enemy has manifested to derail you either as a believer or as a non-believer from ever coming to Christ and salvation. Satan is totally opposed to what you're doing here today. Did you know that? Do you know that he hates you being here this morning? That's why for many of us here this morning, it was difficult to get out of bed and come to church, right? You don't have to raise your hands to that. It's okay. <laughs> you see, he despises any form of commitment or growth that you have in relationship with God, and he will do anything he can to derail that. He will do anything he can to stop you from making a spiritual commitment and growing in that spiritual commitment. Because what God has intended for you and me is all about growth and all about maturing. God has intended for us to live this life to the fullest and of our potential that he has given us. He has given us a, a passion for this life and not just that, he has placed eternity in our hearts. That there's an eternal life to come. You see, it's, it's all about life, church. It's all about life. And you can't think about life if you, if you don't think about growing. You know, when your children come into this world, even though the, the idea of them growing up one day and leaving the home really scares you and breaks your heart. I know I'm just going to break my heart when my daughters leave home one day, but the fact of the matter is that they will inevitably, they will grow up and mature and move on with life, Right? There's that part of you that wants to hold on to them and let them, you know, that you don't want them to grow up. But then there's that part of you that wants them to fulfill their calling in their life, their destiny and their purposes and, and plans that God has for them. It's a hard one, I know, church, but the fact is that life demands growth and life demands maturity. And that's essentially what Peter is talking to us about in these scriptures. Growing to maturity, growing to, to um, a greater understanding of who he is in Christ Jesus. 
Church, how many of us here today have seen a, a giant baobab tree? It's, it's quite a few of us. Have you, have you actually physically touched one? Right. It's one of the largest trees in the world found in, in only a few countries, of one of which is South Africa. Those of you who frequent the Kruger National Park would have seen these beautiful and majestic trees, right? Auntie Charmaine and Uncle Bull go there probably every second week, but for the rest of us... <laughs> highly favored, what can we say? But you would have seen some of these images here. Some interesting facts about the baobab tree is that it can grow up to 25 to 30 meters tall, grow as wide as 47 meters in circumference. That was the, the widest one ever recorded before it split. The widest one now recorded, I think, is 26 meters in circumference, and it's called the Sunland Baobab Tree, which is here in South Africa. And it even houses a restaurant and bar inside the, the trunk of the tree. It is also recorded that a Baobab tree can store up to 120,000 liters of water. It's amazing, right? So once it has absorbed all this water, it actually only consumes small amounts of water on a daily basis. A fully grown baobab tree can create its own ecosystem as it supports the life of countless creatures. From the largest of mammals to the thousands of tiny creatures scurrying in and out of its crevices. Birds nest in its branches, baboons devour the fruit and bush babies and fruit bats drink the nectar and pollinate the flowers. And elephants have been known to chop down and consume an entire baobab tree. And church, all it began with was one tiny baobab seed. One small seed. Just have a look at the size of a, of a baobab seed. You can see a man holding a bunch of them, but one tiny little baobab seed grows, in, grows to become a giant behemoth tree. It's amazing, right? And church, all of the data of all of the mature aspects of that tree is literally mathematically and genetically in that one seed. In that seed is the information for it to grow to 30 meters tall, 47 meters or 50 meters wide to consume or to absorb 120,000 liters of water and it is said to grow as old as 3,000 years. How does that happen? Because the data that it begins with is a data process that advances in maturity by way of life until it gets to the point where it is the complete and total fulfillment of what it was designed and created to be. Church, Christian, this morning, you begin in your life with just one cry of faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, where you might say, oh Lord, save me. Oh God, I need you in my life. Oh Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And at that moment, when faith is awakened in your heart, you begin to walk with God. You begin to walk with God and through all the, the storms in life, like those trees go, go through storms, and the seasons and the blessings and all the years ended up complete and conclude with a mature adult, with a mature person. That process is called sanctification. That little seed that you see right here, church, is sanctified to become a, a great and giant baobab tree. And if God will do that in a tree, church, how much more are the eternal values of what God will do in your life and mine? Just like the baobab tree, we come in different shapes and sizes, right? Which is good. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that God has made you exceedingly great and precious promises that what He has started in a DNA spiritual work in your life, He will complete it. 
He has to complete it because he has held himself to his word. That he will complete that work which he has begun in your life. And we should be excited about that. Amen? The total complete man or woman, spiritually speaking, church, is a person that is sanctified by God, which means God does a work in your life. And you begin to wake up to spiritual things. You begin to entertain thoughts of God. You begin to become curious about God and you begin to want to pursue truth and know what the meaning of life is. And that whole process to the day that you you enter into heaven is sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 says this, church, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. This is His will. Sanctification means this, church. It means that you take that seed that was in that man's hand and you, you take it and you put it in the ground. That's for the tree. Sanctification for your life and mine is where God takes us from this world and He places us into His kingdom. He takes the fleshly desires and, and the passions of this world and He slowly starts to remove it out of us. He takes the desire to sin constantly and to, to live your life where you don't really care about tomorrow. He takes the temporariness out of living, the hopelessness and the despair that's, that's often wrapped up in that. He removes that controlling world and he, he places you into the Christ-centered, a Christ-focused world where you are sanctified to the purposes of God. It is the very reason why you and I were born and it is the will of God that you experience His purpose. It is His will. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Verses 2 to 4, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Verse 5 goes on to say, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And I'm going to deliberately pause there for a moment, just because what he's saying is, based on the previous verses, he now challenges and encourages us to give all diligence to develop what we have received. So church, just to settle something this morning before we carry on. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? We cannot pay for our sins. We cannot pay for our own atonement because He did. Jesus saved, Jesus forgives, Jesus redeems, and Jesus sanctifies. And it's from that position that you experience at that moment when you put your faith in Christ, where it starts a germination, the process of germination of a spiritual DNA within you. That though Christ has done it all and there's nothing that we can add to what He's done, that explosion of data within us, that spiritual DNA, begins and it causes a day-by-day actual and dynamic living relationship with me in God, and it's incumbent upon me to cooperate with God's work of sanctification. It's It's incumbent upon you and me to cooperate with God in this process. In other words, church, don't think for a moment that if you gave your heart to the Lord, you know, last week or a couple of months ago, or even a couple of years ago, that you can just do as you please and, and just live up the li- your life the way you want to. 
that you can just take for granted the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you. And you're just going to sin up a storm and then run to him at the end of your life and ask him to forgive you. That's a horrific theological lie, and that's how people wind up in hell. Why? Because that means there's no day-to-day active DNA change going on in your life. There's no sanctification work going on inside of you. Are you with me, church? You know, you may have brought someone here today, a guest or a friend, a new believer, or perhaps someone that's not even a believer, and you probably think, you know, pastor, just take it easy on these people, you know. Don't say these things, pastors. They're not going to want to give their hearts to the Lord. Let me just tell you something this morning. If you want to become a Christian, put in your gum guard and strap on your head protection because following Jesus isn't for the faint-hearted. Amen? (laughs) The Christian life is hard. The Christian life is hard, but you know what? I wouldn't change it for a thing. I wouldn't change it for a thing because I know what Jesus did in my life. I know what he did in my life where I started in my walk with Jesus and where he's brought me to now. I wouldn't change it for a thing. And you know, church, if I look at people in this church today, I see people that have been through some amazing trials and tribulations in their lives. And I know this because we've either met privately or in counseling sessions. Your life has gone through some incredible challenges and it would have been easier for you not to become a Christian in the short term, right? But you gave your heart to to Christ and that sanctifying work began in your life and you've been growing along with Jesus. And you've been growing, but look how far you've come. Look how far you've come. And you know, it's important for us not to, it is important for us to look back and see what, what Jesus has done in our life. And you're so far into this walk that you can't go back. And you agree with Peter where he says, to whom shall we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. The Christian life is hard. How long will it be hard for? Till the day that you die. It's not a very encouraging message you would think, huh? <laughs> we always win in the end, right? Uh, yeah. And hallelujah, church, that day, that day when we get there's going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. It's graduation time, right? It's going to be the best thing that we've ever experienced. I don't think in our, in our finite minds, in our finite thinking, we can actually comprehend how amazing it's going to be. Church, for some people who never accept Christ, the reality, in reality, this is the closest that they'll ever get to heaven. This earth right here, right now, the beautiful mountains and the valleys and the oceans and and the stars, all the natural wonders in the world, that kind of beauty is the closest that they'll ever get to heaven. But for those of us who are Christians, this is as close to hell as we'll ever get. That's how amazing it's going to be, right? And for this very reason, church, we need to stop resisting God. We need to cooperate with Him. Peter is telling telling us, give all diligence. Put effort into your Christian experience. Doesn't that mean that we are saved by works, but once you're saved, work at it, right? It doesn't mean that it keeps you saved, but you, you roll up your sleeves and you get involved. And you surrender to what God wants to do. You cooperate with him when he says, I want you to do this. And you cooperate with him when he says, I want you to do that. You're cooperating with him. Church, we need to heal to him. When the Bible says giving all diligence, it means to give 100% effort. You know, the truth is, church, God, all God wants is your very best. 
He wants your very best. He's not, not your best in comparison to other people. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in our Christian walk, in our Christian experience, because we start comparing ourselves to other people, what other people do. I mean, how well this person prays, or, or how well this person worships, or how well this person preaches. You know, and we get stuck. I want to encourage us when you stop comparing yourself to other people. All God wants is your very best. Amen? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Peter speaks about this in greater length where he says, Brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Peter is saying, be busy about developing your Christian experience, church. Why? Because God is the one that has saved you and given you eternal life. And you see, the encoded DNA of the Christian is to grow. Not to remain stagnant. It is to grow. Amen? Can someone shout amen? (laughs) And church, I don't mean to upset anyone here this morning, but I don't know if it's possible to be a Christian and have no desire to grow closer to Jesus and seek His will for your life. I don't think you can be a Christian and not want this growth happening inside of you. Because I believe that every Christian church, every Christian has a a Holy Spirit imprinted DNA coded that from a little seed, you and I continue to grow. And you know, having a look at these baobab trees, I was quite encouraged to see how something so small can grow into something so large, right? And yet if you stood next to it, you wouldn't be able to, to hear it growing or see it growing. Right? Because it's a slow process. And you know, in my study of these trees, but more specifically of the the scriptures and this topic today, it made me think about my own personal growth in life. And you know what, truthfully, it's it's really slow sometimes. You know, if I stop and look at my own life as should all of us from time to time, church, truthfully, I was a little bit discouraged to, to see how slow I've grown at certain stages of my life. I mean, because I expected to have life altogether by now, right? I expected to have, I'm 46 years old this year, I expected to have life figured out by now, you know? I expected to be more patient by now, right? I expected to to be more loving and caring by now. I expected to be a better disciple maker by now. And the list goes on, church, and if I look at my life through my own perspective, how will I ever get to the place that would honor the gift of salvation that Jesus has given me? And church, that's why I'm so, so, so grateful for the fact that salvation is provided by God. Because it's not how I see myself. It's how God sees me. Church this morning, it's not how you see yourself. It's how God sees you. Just have a look at what C.S. Lewis said about this. He said, how God thinks of us is not only more important, but is infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of Him is of no importance except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. That's beautiful, right? Church, obviously it's important how we think of God, but it pales in comparison to how he thinks of us. God looks at you as a Christian today in the person of Jesus Christ. He doesn't look at you through the lenses that we look at ourselves. He looks at at you and sees you through, through the lens of Jesus Christ. Church, we need to take this in today. We, we need to make this personal. Because this is the knowledge of who He is. This is the knowledge of His promises. And church, how do we cooperate with God? When we have a greater understanding of who He is. 
You see, church, God doesn't doubt who we are. We are the ones that doubt ourselves. Because I know me. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've done. I know what I struggle with. I mean, how can He love me? You know, we all go through, like, through times like this in our lives when we question God's love. And we think, how can you love a wretch like me? God, I remember what I did when I was a teenager. I, did, I remember what I did when I was 26 years old. I remember what I did last week. I mean, how can you love me? And you see, we start to educate God. But God says, hang on, come back to my truth. Come back to my promises. You are saved by my grace. Amen? Because that's what's transformed you. That's what is transforming you. That's what shall transform you. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a bit of a rhetorical question because I'm going to give you the answer, but what is Christianity? What does Christianity mean to you? Christianity is a decision to respond to good, God's good news of the gospel. That Jesus Christ came to the earth to save sinners. That there are none righteous, no, not one. When Christ died on the cross for all mankind, the blood of Jesus Christ paid man's debts of sin and what we owe to God, we could never pay back. Jesus died and then that wasn't enough. He died for our atonement at the cross and that wasn't enough. Three days later, He rose from the dead again, he rose again from the dead for our justification. Church, you can write this down if you, if you have a notepad. Jesus died, His atoning death, Jesus rose from the dead, his justification for us, right? And that work of God, initiated by God, performed by God, empowered by God, and executed by God, is the work of sanctification. And the life of the believer, the moment that you say, Lord, I believe that you died for me, that you, you're my Savior, and you healed yourself to Christ, in that moment, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And God goes to work in your life in what is called the sanctification of the believer. Beautiful, right? Is it starting to make sense? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 tells us, church, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. Just listen to this. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Church, please note right here that God is saying, I'm the one doing the sanctifying. You're the ones that are going to be sanctified. And the reason why that is happening because we are all one. Church, that's a family declaration. God says, I want you to be a part of my family. You know, church, the truth is that everyone here today, everyone sitting here, including myself, all the people that you know, your friends, your colleagues, you know, your family, the people you know, the people you don't know, everyone in the world were lost sinners on their way to hell. But God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, right? That Christ came into this world that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? And in that work, God goes to a forever work in you for as long as you live. God goes to work in your life and is bringing about the sanctification. But listen to this, church. For me, this is the awesome part. He goes to work in you because He has positionally sanctified you. 
the moment that you became his child, church, listen, you're his child forever. And he goes to work in your life and he will not relent. He will not change. He will not stop. Can someone get excited about that? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 tells us, it says this, by that will, by God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Come on, say amen to that, church. That's an awesome declaration. There's great power there. There's great assurance for us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Did you see what the scriptures are saying here, church? Is that you have been sanctified, you are being sanctified, and you shall be sanctified. Is this making a noise? It's an ongoing work that comes out of the work of the Holy Spirit, and it will not end until you physically come to the end of yourself. Until you come to the end of yourself in this body, and you meet Jesus face to face. That's when the sanctifying work is over, and what a glorious day that's going to be, right? Galatians chapter 4 verse 19 church says my little children from whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you what is the apostle Paul saying to us here church the whole point of the Christian experience is that for those who are Christians that Christ would be formed in them right just think about this that's why the apostle Paul was laboring to help people to get to this point let me give you an illustration this morning. When a baby is born, the moment that the DNA of those parents are in that baby, that parent's job, those parents' job is, is to point to that baby's life until that baby walks around on the earth. First in the home, then out in the community and in the rest of the world, until that child becomes a living, breathing representation of that family. Right? Just think of the significance of that in your own life. The mom and dad pour into that little child until that child becomes a reflection of that mom and dad. It's a beautiful thing. God does the same thing for you and me. He pours himself into you from the moment that you were born again, all your life, he pours into you by the Holy Spirit. How does he do that, church? He starts to speak to you. He starts to convict you. He starts to lead you and he starts to guide you. He starts to bring different people and circumstances in your path so that he can put you on a pathway to him. One of the most effective ways that he does that church, the way that he pours himself into you is by the word of God. And he infuses like a blood transfusion one moment after another. Let me say it like this. Church, if you want to grow and reflect Jesus, which we want to do, right? Amen? You have to take this word and you have to infuse the blood of Jesus into you day after day after day until his, his life and truth will flow through you. If you only read this word occasionally or you refer to the scriptures on a Sunday when I, when I put them up, you will become anemic. The DNA is still in you, church, right? But the blood that is the catalyst to ignite the full Christian experience, it needs to be infused into you constantly. Why? Why is this important? You know, why does God give us these commands in our lives? Why, does he, why, why should we read the Word of God? Why do we have to do these things? Why can't we just be saved and, you know, go, go up to heaven? 
Because church, God wants us to cooperate with Him. He wants us to co-create with Him. Which means that you have to apply yourself to the opportunity, right? Church, God does the changing. All you and I have to do is show up. That's the truth. We just have to show up. And that's essentially what it means to be a devoted Christian. Church, greater understanding leads to greater devotion. Greater, greater devotion leads to a greater love for God. Our key scripture this morning in 2 Peter 1 gives a list of things that need to be active in your life. And if these things are active in your life, church, which is the greater devotion, you will abound, which means you will thrive, right? The whole idea is that you would be right with God. It's not about being sinless. Remember, church, that's for you to go and judge yourself in, in light of those, those scriptures that we read. It's not about being sinless. It's about being right with God. You know, we know many great men and women of the Bible that, that sinned in their life, but God still worked in their lives, right? Was there any person except Jesus in the Bible that, that didn't sin? No one. Even though Abraham was a, was a sinner and he messed up in his life, God called him a friend. Even though David was a, an adulterer and a murderer, God said of him, that's, that's a man after my own heart. And church, I'm not condoning sin, but, but God used a man like David's life for 3,000 years later to communicate to you and I today, church, that God can take a messed up walk and all, if your walk is messed up, and continue with the sanctifying work inside of you. Who needs to hear that today? Church, as I begin to close this morning, you can maybe ask the worship team to please come up. If you have failed as a believer, if you have failed as a believer in your life, God says, you know what He says? Stop wallowing in it. Stop, stop pitching a tent there. He says, get up and let's moving on. Let's move on. The problem is, I said, sometimes we get stuck in our Christian experience because we start to compare ourselves to other people, right? We also get stuck in life because we, we sin in our lives and we think, you know what, God can't use me anymore. Sometimes we get stuck at salvation, but God says, let's get going. Let's get your life on the right path. Let's get things straight. God doesn't condone sin, church, but a sanctifying work, in a sanctifying work, He will pick up where you derailed yourself and He'll keep going with you. Church, in the same way that a baobab tree began as a small tiny seed and grew into a behemoth giant, as you would see there, God wants you and I to grow and mature and become giants for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the same way that a fully grown baobab tree provides shade, it provides its own ecosystem to give life and nutrition to thousands of creatures, He wants our Christian experience to provide strength and hope and spiritual nutrition for the thousands and millions of people that are dying to rest under the shade and the shadow of the Almighty. He's calling you and I to cooperate with Him. And all we have to do is show up, church, and, and devote ourselves to Him as He does this miracle work of sanctification within us. Is that for someone here this morning? Can we receive that truth this morning, church?
There is, there is, amen. You know, church, none of us are perfect in our lives. We all get stuck in our lives. But God is saying this morning, He wants you to get unstuck. He wants you to put you back on the right path. He wants you to take you off where you've derailed yourself, put you back on the tracks, the tracks that head back to Him, that head back to His truth, that head back to an eternal life with the Savior.